This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Acts chapter 20, verse number 17. It says this. This is about a, Paul, a man named Paul. Now he says, from militantness, been teaching this thing a long time. I still don't know how to enunciate a lot of the cities. <laughs> Said from Melehem, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, being Paul, when they came to Paul, he said to them, to this, this is what he says to the elders. He said, you know, from the, from the first day that I came here to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and in addition from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. What a word he's, he keeps getting. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Somebody say amen. This is a powerful portion of scripture talking out of Acts 20 about the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his life. He has lived a terrific, tremendous life where he's gone to cities like Thessalonica, Ephesus. He's gone to Philippi. He's gone all over Asia and he spread the gospel. He's even been in Rome and he's been used powerfully by God. He's entering into the last days of his life and he's actually called for the elders of the church and he's making a great appeal to go to his last days. I want to preach a message today and if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, you can write down the title. It's called Symptoms of the Scent. I want to stay in the theme of the vision of our church. Now, we released on Vision Sunday the vision of Zoe Church for this next year. And uh, the, after the 10 a.m. service, I met some people that just came for the first time and they found us on social media. And these two girls, uh, they said they met each other hiking. And while they were hiking, they struck up a conversation. Faith got into the conversation. And they said both of them had moved here recently from other places in the country. And they moved here to LA and they started talking. And they said, you know what? We need to find a church. And they found Zoe Church on social media. And so they came to the 10 a.m. this last service. And I told them, I said, well, you know, our church is only one year old. And they said, stop it. I said, yeah, we're only one year old. I said, this is unbelievable. The first year of our church, the vision of our church was, yo, man, let's just try and get this thing started. Now we're in year two of our church. And the vision for our church, the theme is called sent to the city. We believe that God didn't just kind of like coincidentally put us here. We believe that it's a mandate that God has sent Zoe Church into this city, the city of angels, the city of the Los Angeles Rams, the city of the LA Dodgers, only in Cali where we riot, not rallies to live and die, in LA we wear Chuck's not valleys, that's right. Um, so we've been sent by God to LA for such a time as this. I want to stay in the theme of our church, sent to the city, and I want to preach a message today, symptoms of the sent. 
symptoms of the scent. And I'll pray and believe that God will speak to us today. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. This wonderful church that you're building and you're gathering. God, we say that you are the head of Zoe, that Zoe belongs to you and Zoe is about you. We ask in your powerful, precious name, do what only you can do in this setting and in these moments. Open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do something powerful and profound. And God, we are declaring a blessing over the Dodgers in the playoffs, over the Rams at the Coliseum. And God, we know you love the Lakers the most. We're getting ready. So do what you can, Lord. Do what you can. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Come on, Laker fans. It's about to start. Everybody said, come on, put your hands together for all of LA and all of our sports teams. We're going to win some championships for the glory of God. Now, um, I have made it very public and uh, I've talked about this a few times at our church uh, about how much I despise this. I do not like this. And uh, I'm just going to kind of re-emphasize it today. I really do not like getting sick. Anybody else with me? I do not like it. It's the worst when you get a fever, tickle throat, you get body ache. It's the worst feeling in the whole world. This last week, I took my son with me and uh, it's kind of fun now because my son's three years old. He's a three-year-old now. And so I get to take him on trips with me, traveling, to go preach at different places. So this last week on Thursday night, I was preaching on the east side of the city at my alma mater, Life Pacific College. I graduated in 2002, 3.6 GPA, what? And um, and so I took my son to go see my old stomping grounds, you know, show my son, son, this is where I did, you know, all my damage, you know, it's my Life Bible College. And uh, so I took my son there Thursday night, it's kind of fun. Now, the last few trips I've taken my son on with me, uh, for whatever reason, I have failed to bring him back to his mother in the same condition I found him. And so the last couple of trips, he's gotten sick with me because I forgot to change the diaper in time. He coming home with a rash. So this time I was like, I'm not going to fail. Dead life. I'm not going to fail. So I took him out to San Dimas. We're having a good time. Now my son, three years old, mind you, we go into the church service. He goes through the whole worship set. I think they did 10 songs, revival, whatever. So we're in there for a long worship set. Then I get up. It's my turn. I bring him up on stage. I ask him his name in the microphone. He nails his part. He goes, went in 12 each. He nails it. Then, then I'm like, how old are you? He's like three. <laughs> he just nails it. He just does so good. He goes back to his chair. He sits down and he listens to me preach an entire message. Like I can see him head nodding. I'm like, that's my boy right there. And so I finish. I do my whole thing. I come down. The worship team's going back in the song. I'm right there in the front row. It's a moment for me. Like I'm hot, sweaty, but I'm at my alma mater. I feel so cool. And like I'm at my old Bible college. I pick up my son. We're worshiping together. And he whispers in my ear. He goes, Daddy, I went poop. And I was like, I'm not taking you home with a rash. So I was like, we're out. Like, so I bounce out out the church service. I take him in the back. I change his diaper. I do it all good. I'm thinking, I'm bringing him home good this time. We go to bed that night. We get home at 11 p.m. In the morning time, I go into my son's room. He had thrown up all over his bed. Like I'm talking about all over his bed, all over the pillows and even on the floor. That like did my 1-year-old get some of the chunks on the floor? Let's not get in the details. But um but but he threw up so bad and it was so bad he was so sick that we tried to push him that morning and go out and in the car he threw up in the car. And, and I could tell he was sick by, by by what he was saying. We 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 checked his his fever and he he was hot. He 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 was talking about how his tummy it, it, it hurt him. He kept saying Dad, 
daddy, I'm cold, I'm, I'm cold. And, and he wanted a hoodie on. And, and he, kept, he kept talking about how he felt he would be on the couch and just laying there. And just like, he, he's always moving, he's just laying there. And he had all the symptoms of being sick. And I'll just say this, if, if you don't have the symptoms, are you, are you really sick? If you don't have the symptoms, church, can I say to us this way? If you don't have the symptoms, are you really sent? Because there's symptoms to being sent. If you're being sent, you can always tell. I love what Paul's saying here in Acts chapter 20. It says in verse 17 and 18 that the first thing that he does is he calls for the elders of the church. What's Paul teaching us? He's saying, I'm establishing history. I'm establish relationship. I'm not going to go out and do anything on my own. I want elders to be a part. You know, I encourage you, the things that you do in your life, make sure you have some elders in your life. Maybe it's some pastors. Maybe Maybe it's your parents, but don't make decisions on your own. Paul's saying, I don't want to go out went. I want to go out sent, so I need to get approval. Somebody say amen. By the way, we did not plant our church, Zoe Church, on our own. We have the approval of our pastors. We have the approval of the elders. We have people that gave us money. Why? Because there was a backing and approval. There's always safety with a covering. Somebody say amen. So he, he calls for the elders. He brings them all together and watch how he begins to give his speech. He's got the elders of which he wants their approval. He's not willing to go out without relationship. So he calls the elders in and he goes, guys, he's presenting his case. And watch the symptoms of the sin. He says, guys, you know how I've served the Lord here in Asia with humility. I'm just going to give you five symptoms of the sin today. Write down the first one. They're servants. He said, you know how I've served the Lord with humility. I've been serving God through tears and tribulations and trials. I've been serving God. You know, there's something about someone that knows how to serve. Can I tell you, that's what's so powerful about Jesus. Jesus lived to serve. He was the servant of all. Jesus tells this one beautiful picture one time. He says, guys, let me ask you a question. If there's a dinner table and everything's set out and there's someone at the head of the table and they keep bringing this guy wine and ribeye and some cheese, the guy that's being served, let me ask you who's greater. Is it the one that's serving him or is it the one that's being served? The guy's like, come on, Jesus. This is a very Captain Obvious answer. Of course, the greater one is the one being served. He goes, yeah, but isn't it interesting? I, the son of man, I came and I came as a servant among you. Jesus lived to serve. Jesus poured out his life. He was the servant of all. In fact, in this kingdom, Jesus said the greatest is the one that serves. Can I say it this way? If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. There's something about positioning yourself as a servant. The gateway to greatness is servitude. If you want to be great in life, choose to serve. You want a great marriage? Serve your spouse. You want a great business? Serve your employees. You want to have a great ch child or raise up children? Serve your children. There's, you want to have a great church? Serve your church. That's why you should be on the dream team and come to Growth Track today. It's 201. And be a part of serving. And there's something about taking the posture and the position of a servant. Paul says, y'all know my credibility. I've been serving you with humility. It takes a humble person to serve. The law of opposite of humility is pride. Pride says, serve me. Pride says, promote me. 
Pride says, tag me. Pride says it's about me. We live in a narcissistic society where narcissism wins. Wherever you are, you see pride in our culture, it wins. Whoever praises themselves and worships, worships themselves the most, that's who wins in our society. But kingdom culture's opposite. Kingdom culture celebrates humility. Come on, is there anybody here today that wants to be a servant of God? Come on, anybody want to say like Paul said, I serve the Lord with all humility. Watch, watch, watch what Paul's really saying. He says, guys, you know me. I've been serving with all humility. And then he adds on two thoughts that I think are so insightful. He says, with tears and tribulations. In other words, whenever you serve God, it's not going to be easy and there's going to be some tears involved. Can I encourage you today? Making the kingdom of God a priority will always be an inconvenience. Whenever you place the kingdom of God as your main priority, it will not be convenient, but you will be satisfied. He's saying, I've gone through some trials, but in addition, I've gone through some tears. You know, I love tears from the Holy Spirit. I love it when you start to cry. Anybody be in church and the, you know, the music's so good, you start to tear up. Is this just me? And it's like, I'm not emotionally unstable. I'm just unstable. Um, and you start getting tears from the Holy Spirit and God starts to move in your life. And what's Paul saying? Paul's proving to the elders. He's saying something. Guys, if I cried here, I know I'll cry there. If I had a burden in this city, I'll know I have a burden in the next city. He's proving that he served God with tears and tribulations. I remember a few years ago, one of my best friends in the whole world. In fact, it's his birthday today. Pastor Judah Smith, pastor of the city church in Seattle, the church that sent us down here and helped us get started. And, you know, uh, Pastor Judas told me one time, about four or five years ago, he was down here and just started a Bible study with just a few people in our friend's house. And he said, hey, he texted me. We were in Seattle. And he said, you know, I'm on this hill right now overlooking Beverly Hills. And he said, I can't stop crying. God has given me a burden for these people. And, you know, let me encourage you. Tears are from the Holy Spirit. That when you get tears from God, that Paul's saying, I I, I want to serve you so bad that I, I cry over you. I care about you. In fact, symptoms of the set are number one, they're serving, they're servants, but write down number two, they're givers. Because the first thing he says is, I serve the Lord with all humility. And then the second thing he says is, and you know that I've held nothing back from you. I've been pouring out my life. I've been throwing my heart over the line. I've given you everything that I got. There's something about somebody that lives with passion, lives with zeal, lives on purpose, saying, I'm not holding back something. If I'll give you every cheat code I got. Anybody you grew up playing Nintendo, let me see your hand. I grew up playing Nintendo. And you remember those people that used to come to your house and they knew all the cheat codes to the games? I never knew any cheat code. And you know, someone come over, we're playing Mike Tyson's punch out and they know how to just get to the very end of the big guy. And I don't know how to do any of that. Left, right, up, down, ABC, whatever, your mom. And I don't know how to do none of it. And, and you know, they have all the cheat. And you know, you ever have that friend that won't show you the codes and don't be, don't live your life holding back a blessing. Don't live your life holding back a secret. You know, we ought to live our life saying, if I've got a quote that will encourage you, if I've got a scripture verse that will encourage you, if I've got a gift that will encourage you, 
encourage you. If I've got something to get, you know, a lot of times when I read the Bible on my own, I'll get something, I'll go straight to Twitter. I say, if it encouraged me, it could encourage somebody else. And I'll post it right away. Why? Because I'm not holding anything back. I live to be a blessing. Let me just say something to you. You ain't living till you start giving. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. There's something about the world of the generous. There's something about pouring out your life. Paul is saying, I serve the Lord with humility, but I held nothing back. Anybody that's your prayer to pour out your life and help people. Seven people raise their hand. Anybody else? It's your prayer to help people out. That becomes our prayer. It becomes your passion. And when you get touched by grace, you want to start to pour out your life. We have a guy that came to the 10 a.m. service and he was sitting right here in the second row. And, um, and you know, I met him just a couple months ago and I invited him to church. I met him at his workplace and uh, excuse me, I invited him to church and he came to church that Sunday and he got very touched by Zoe and he hasn't missed a Sunday since. And that was a few months ago. And he said something to me a little, little while ago. He said, you know what? The audio podcast does not do justice what's going on in, in Zoe. He goes, so you know what I want to do? I'm going to go out and buy all the video equipment that we need to put this thing on live stream. All the video equipment we need so we can put these, you know, these messages out on video. And so he went out and he bought all the equipment. It showed up at our doorstep this week. And you know what that is? That's saying, I'm not holding back my blessing. I'm living to give. And watch what Paul's saying. It's a symptom of the sin. Symptoms always tell you where people are at. He's saying, I was a servant and I was a giver. And then watch the next thing that he says. He goes in great succession. He goes, I served you with all humility, with tears and trials. I literally held nothing back to you, but from house to house and from church to church, I declared everything I know. I poured my life out. And then he said, and you know, that I've been testifying to both Jews and Greeks everywhere I went. So another symptom of people that are sent is they're not afraid to talk about it. They're just unashamed about their faith. Just everywhere they go, they're trying to tell somebody about Jesus. They're not afraid to talk about the one that changed their life. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter one, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of being counted as a Christian. You know, I just want to release you. Stop being scared of being a Christian and you ought to be proud of representing Jesus. If Jesus saved your life, if Jesus has changed you, you ought to be proud to say, hey, listen, listen, maybe you don't want to be associated with some Christians. I will give you that. Somebody say amen. But I want to be associated with Jesus, anybody else. And there's something about somebody that says, I've been testifying about Jesus. Notice the two areas that Paul says he's been talking talking about God. He said first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. Let's go historically into this context and look at the audiences of which he's speaking. The first is Jews. Jews we can translate to our day as church folk. He said, I'm not afraid to talk to other church people about Jesus. Just because someone goes to church doesn't mean they have an accurate picture of Jesus. He's saying, I have not shied back of talking about the gospel. And there's some church people that are so steeped in religion that they need to get free by grace. He said, so I have been going house to house, place to place, talking to church people about getting free from religiosity. But then over here with the Greeks, now you got to understand the Greeks in this context, they're Gentiles. Gentiles thought they had no shot at becoming Christians. Gentiles in this context, they are the worst of the worst. They're the scum of the scum. They're the least of the least. Paul was sent by God to this people group. He was 
was not sent to religious people. He was not sent to church people. He was sent to lost people. He was sent to broken people that never thought they had a shot at the gospel. Paul said, I have been talking to church folk, but you best believe I'm going out to some people that are broken in my city and telling them, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what Jesus could do? Come on, anybody thankful today that we don't have to do one or the other, but we can do both. Somebody say amen. Say, I've been talking about this thing. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of my faith. Now, I just wonder what your workplace would look like if you would step up and not be afraid to be counted as a Christian. I, I wonder what it would do to your home if you were not afraid to stop and pray over your meal. I wonder what it would do on your way to work if you just say, I'm going to take five minutes and praise and thank God on my way to work. There's something about saying, I'm not afraid to talk about this thing. I'm not afraid to answer this question. Uh, this last week, I was working on, on, on my second book, and we we're going through all the edits for it, book number two. And and I'm very excited about it. And, and the, the, the person that helps me out with our books is Julia's sister, Leslie. Julia is the oldest of four girls. And so it was the third born, Leslie. She came down and she was helping me out and she kept probing me all day. She kept asking me the most difficult questions all day. We we're sitting there and she'd go, tell me about a time in your life where you had major failure. And I'm like, <laughs> and how did that make you feel? And I'm like, and have you ever felt unqualified? And I kind of like look down, and you're like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I feel shady right now. Um, and she kept pressing me. She even told Julia, she said, man, I was grilling Chad today. I was trying to get it all out of him. I was like, I feel like I'm with my therapist, my God. And I felt almost sometimes it was liberating to, to talk about it and say, yeah, well, you know, this event in my life really affected me and this thing here really hurt me. And, you know, this one time I, I, I messed up and I disobeyed God and talking about that stuff. And sometimes we're ashamed to even talk about Jesus. Paul is saying that it's a symptom of somebody that's sent. He's saying, I know that I'm sent by God because at the place that I've been at, I've never been afraid to share about my faith. I just wonder what our church would look like next week if every one of us just took time to invite one person. What would that look like? It's all about us stepping up and saying, like, I'm proud to be saved by grace. It's not that you're proud that you're perfect. Come on, we're all sinners. It's not that you're proud of your behavior. Come on, we all need Jesus. But we're proud that there is a Savior named Jesus that has changed our life. And come on, church, he saved our life. Does anybody agree with what I'm saying? Okay, that's fine. You don't have to applaud. No pressure. So they're serving, they're giving, they're talking about it, and then I'll, whew, this is my favorite part. He says, and now I go, this is verse 22, and now I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem. Symptoms of sent people is they're always, I have to, it's not I want to. He doesn't have a sense of going like, yo, this is my idea. I, I, I think it's cool if I go to Jerusalem. No, he's going, and now I go bound. Or another translation could be arrested. Another translation could be I go, I go literally burdened by the Holy Spirit is, is compelling me and telling me to go. This is Jesus, everybody. This is Jesus what he faced. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, Jesus felt this exact thing. It was not that he wanted to go, it was that he had to go. He even prayed to the Father. He said, Father, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want to do, but what you want to do. Sent people always have a sense of have to, not want to. I just thought it was so fitting. It's pretty amazing. 
And I, I, sometimes life brings you full circle, doesn't it? You know, I take my son out there on Thursday night to go preach at, at Life Pacific College. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. Th this event, they call it the Fall Preview Day, has been going on for many, many years. I'll never forget when I was a senior in high school, it was my birthday weekend, and I flew down for this event, exact event in 1997. In 1997, I get on a plane. I'm a senior in high school. I just turned 18 years old, and I come to this event in 1997. I sit in the very, very back of the auditorium because I'm a pastor's kid. That's what we do. And so I sit in the very back, and I'll never forget, I, I, I was in the back with my arms folded, and I was saying to myself, there is no way I'm coming to Bible college. I do not want to, I don't want to be a preacher. My dad's a preacher. I don't want to be in the ministry. My dad's in the ministry. I saw what he did. I saw what he went through. I saw the sacrifice. I was like, no way. I'm going to Eugene, Oregon. I'm going to be a high school teacher and a high school basketball coach and a DJ. Ricka, 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 what? And that's what I was going to be. And I'll never forget, I'm in the back of the room. I'm, I'm, I got my arms folded. I'm like, I'm here for my dad. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me so clear and says, this is where you're to go to college. I remember when God spoke, I said, shoot. That's not what I, not what I want to do. It's what I have to do. Sent people have a sense of mandate. They have a sense of mission. They have a sense like, I got to do this thing. Like if I had another option, I would take the option, but this is a God thing. Be careful in life when you throw the God card down. But it better be God when you say it's God. Like when, when you throw the, I remember growing up in church when people in my, my church wanted to break up with a girl, they would throw the God card out because they didn't know how to break up with her. They'd be like, oh, I would need, we need to break up because God told me. God didn't tell you. You didn't like her breath. It's thing. Be honest. <laughs> if it's God, you know it's God. If it's God, you cannot shake it. He, 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 Paul's saying, I serve the Lord with humility, trials and tribulations and tears. I, I didn't hold anything back from you. I've been given to you. I, I, I've been testifying from house to house and church to church and telling everybody about Jesus. And now I go bound by the Spirit. This is God's idea for my life. Come on, anybody thankful today that if God wanted you somewhere else, he would have told you to go somewhere else. But God has sent you to your city for such a time as this. Come on, somebody give a little bit more faith and a little bit more applause. God knows what he's doing with your life. He says, and now I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem. And what's so crazy is he's not even saying that I'm going to Jerusalem and it's going to be like the Bahamas. We're going to party. He said, now I go to Jerusalem and there's the fear of the unknown. I don't even know what it's going to be like on the other side. In verse 24, he brings the epic conclusion to what I think is one of the greatest portions in Scripture in all of the Bible, indicating to us of what sent people look like. He's called for the elders. He's stating his case. He knows what's awaiting him. He knows this is not his idea, but it's God's idea. And watch how he concludes in verse 24, such a profound, riveting statement. I'll just encourage you, if you're someone that enjoys memorizing verses in the Bible, you ought to commit this verse, Acts 20, verse 24, to memory in the Bible. Maybe write it down on a sticky note this week, put it on your mirror and memorize this verse. Maybe put it in your car somewhere where you can see it and memorize this verse. Because to me, I think what Paul is saying is some of the most liberating words in all of the scriptures. Watch what Paul is saying. He says, but none of these things, none of these things move me. You come to such a safe place in your faith when you're unshakable and you're unmovable. 
says, but none of these things move me. And worship team, you can come join us. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. That ministry is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You can write down number five, sent people, and you can always tell it's a symptom. They live to make much of Jesus. That's what they live to do. It's their obsession. They stopped being obsessed with money. They stopped being obsessed with fame. They surrendered and gave down their obsession with with this, that, or the other because they've traded it and exchanged it to make much of Jesus. Paul is, he's concluding his, his case, isn't he? He wants their approval so bad. This is the epic conclusion. This is like, this is like remember the Titans before the last big game. He stated his whole case. And now he's saying, guys, all that really matters to me on this planet is telling other people about Jesus. Like, nothing moves me. I don't count my life so dear to me. In other words, he's saying, I'm not in love with me. I don't live for me. It's not about my success and my name. It's about Jesus. Symptoms of sent people, they have this glorious obsession with making much of Jesus. It's their obsession. They want Jesus to be known. They want Jesus to be lifted up. They want Jesus to be in the city. They, they're Jesus people. It's, it's, it's what he's saying. Can I tell you today that the Father who is in heaven is obsessed with making much of Jesus? That's the Father's role. The Holy Spirit who hovers to and fro throughout the land is on every tribe and every tongue. His obsession is to make much of Jesus. The scriptures, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. The Bible points everybody to a person. His name is Jesus. All of creation is about Jesus. The heavens are about Jesus. The earth is about Jesus. The church is about Jesus. Come on, is there anybody here today that says, I want my life to be obsessed with living to make money much of Jesus. He's going with a passion of saying, I know people might have an idea of church, but they don't even know Jesus. My life doesn't count because all that matters to me is so that people would understand Jesus is grace. Jesus is peace. Jesus is love. Jesus is everything you need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Oh, if they'll just understand it, it's my mission and it's my motto. Come on, stand to your feet today. Father, we thank you that as we gather together, that we're saying as a church that we've been sent to the city. And God, we, we believe that you love Los Angeles more than we love Los Angeles. And God, we make this personal for our own individual lives. God, will you help us be servants? Will you help us be givers? God, will you help us be those that are not ashamed to talk about it? God, will you help us be those that really live to make much of the sun? God, we're asking you for help. Lord, we want all the symptoms. God, we want the, the, the headache and the fever and we want the achy stomach and the cold. God, we want all the symptoms of being sent. Make us those that it's obvious that we're, we're on mission and we've got purpose and, and passion and direction. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.